0: Hey guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. We're in a series called Content Warning, and so far we've talked about dating and romance and sexual integrity, all kinds of fun and slightly uncomfortable things together. Um, tonight will be no different. In fact, it could get worse. Um, last week we talked about the current like American culture that we're in and how our culture is advocating for a particular sexual ethic. The Bible, our churches, we are advocating for a different sexual ethic and our culture is pushing it a certain way. The the, the world's sexual ethic is based on basically what, what an individual wants, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else, is whatever an, one individual wants or what they want to do with a consenting individual, that's pretty much fine. But we know as Christ followers who are fully devoted to Jesus and aren't letting anything distract us from Jesus, um, we know that whatever we want individually is basically like the first thing that we laid out. It's the first thing we give up when we decide to follow Jesus. We say, my preferences are second to, to what Jesus wants, to what God wants for me, to God's plan. We submit to God's plan, uh, which is a good plan to follow because there's always pain outside God's plan. This was the bottom line for our conversation last week, and it will be for tonight as well because we're talking about God's plan versus a sexualized culture. So tonight we're gonna zero in on something that you are probably... Relatively familiar with, you've seen it on TV and TikTok and commercials, and uh, you may even have a personal experience with it. Especially if you go to a uh, a public school, we're talking about transgenderism, and um, I want you to know up upfront um, what you hear tonight will probably be different than what you see on TV. What you hear me say from what I believe to be interpretation of the Bible, what God wants is is very different, probably different than what many of your friends believe on this issue. Um, But what I present to you tonight, I believe to be biblically founded, that it's really based, and it's what experts on the Bible interpret the Bible to mean. And ultimately, I think this is what God wants for our sexual ethic, for our sexual integrity. Uh, My plan is to frame our conversation tonight around some questions. So I'm gonna ask a question that I think is important to the conversation, a question I think you're probably asking, and then we'll talk about um, some biblical and logical answers to the question. Um, Speaking of questions, Malachi, could you pass that plate around? If you could please grab a piece of paper and a pen out of that plate. Um, So... This is an opportunity for you. Even if you don't have a question, you don't think I probably won't have a question. Grab a piece of paper and a pen. Everybody grab one. This is your opportunity to be a part of the message because next week, uh, I'm going to take all the questions that I've gathered throughout the series uh, and we're gonna talk about them next week. And I'm also going to respond to some like miscellaneous things that maybe didn't fit into the series like I wanted them to, uh, but I wanted them to come up. So we'll talk about that next week. But make sure that you ask your questions. Um, You're gonna bring those to your small group. At the end of your small group, you're gonna hand them in because you can write something down at any point during the message during your small group at any point you can write something down i want you to know that you need to ask a question if i wasn't clear about something if something didn't make sense to you ask the question because If you have a question, there's a really good chance somebody else in the room has that same question. And you can help them find an answer. You can be brave for them. We've made it very low risk. The questions are anonymous. You don't write your name on it or anything. You just hand them to your small group leader, and then they come to me. I don't even know who in the room asked a question. Uh, So be brave. Take that step, and hopefully we can get you a response to your question. All right, so tonight framing our conversation about transgenderism around some questions. First of all, what are we talking about? So, um, I'm going to start in the Bible because I think this is a really important perspective for us to have as we tackle this issue. James one 19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. I think on this issue, a lot of people don't do that. (laughs) They are not quick to listen. They are quick to speak and give their opinion. Um, and they're quick to get angry about it for us. Um, we are going to slow down. For many Jesus followers, this conversation is going to be very foreign. They don't know anything about transgenderism. They don't know anyone who's experiencing it. Um, However, you are probably not that, that may not be the case. You're probably more familiar than a lot of church people on this issue. Um, However, some people in the room might not be. So we are going to lead with curiosity. We're going to lead by asking some questions and making sure that we understand some stuff. If we apply this verse to this topic, it says to me, I got to ask some questions. I got to make sure I know what we're talking about because I want to apply the Bible. I want to apply what God thinks, apply biblical wisdom to this topic. And in order to do that, I need to know what we're talking about. (laughs) I need to understand the topic as best as I can before we engage in scripture. Uh, Because if we don't do that, if I don't know what we're talking about and I just try to throw Bible verses at it, I'm not going to make sense. I'm not going to make good points. I'm not going to look smart. And next time, I'm not going to be invited to the conversation. So we're going to slow down. We're going to lead with curiosity. Uh, I'd like to define some some vocabulary to, to set a foundation for us. And um, like I said, some of the, for some of you, this might be second nature. You know, all these words, um, but I think some in the room don't know all these words. And we're just going to start at the very beginning so that we can build a foundation for our conversation. Some vocabulary, transgenderism. Sorry if it's a little small, but I'll read them to you. Transgenderism, the broad spectrum of people who identify with a gender different from their biological sex. You can also call this gender incongruence. Gender dysphoria. This term is the distress um, or relate, distress, sorry about that word, distress related to a desire to be of another gender. Sorry for my typos. I took big, long scientific definitions and I just cut some words so we could have the meaning without a lot of fluff. Distress related to a desire to be of another gender. Um, Sex, not like that. Um, Is male or female biologically? At birth, this is biologically determined at birth, and then you have gender, um, which is a little more complicated. Um, it's male or female, socially or culturally constructed. This is gender expression. How, uh, if I am a man, gender is how, if my sex is a man, my gender is how I express my manhood. If if my sex is woman, gender is how I express my womanhood. The last thing is non-binary. And this is a uh, gender identity that is neither male nor female. This, this would say that gender is more of a spectrum. It's not about these two categories. Uh, So non-binary, non-two-ness. I don't subscribe to the two-ness of male or female. They would say gender is a spectrum and I fall somewhere different on that spectrum. Now, those are the terms. I'm going to give you some quick commentary before we get into Bible stuff. This is just some quick commentary. Transgenderism. Um, You know better than I do that this is a phenomenon that is not going anywhere. This is a situation that will get more prevalent before it goes away. Um, That means you need to know what the Bible says. You need to know how we interpret what the Bible says um, so that we know how to love and evangelize people who are experiencing this. That's the reason we need to understand it so we can love people well and evangel and show them who Jesus is in their specific situation. Uh, Gender dysphoria, do not miss the word distress. This causes real pain in people. Can you imagine? Probably not. Can you imagine what it would be like to to see your physical sex and and experience a different gender in your head? I can't imagine what that pain is like, but I imagine distress is an understatement. Um, So you need to ask yourself, do you care? Do you care about the pain that people are going through? Because Jesus does. Sex and gender. Um, This community, the transgender community, um, they emphasize the difference between sex and gender. Uh, I don't know that we, we as Christ followers have to do that, but in order to understand what they're saying, we have to know these two things. We have to know what they're talking about, um, even if we don't agree. So ask questions with curiosity. Non-binary. Um, if I were to agree to their definitions of sex and gender, I would almost have to agree that gender is a spectrum. Sex is not. We'll talk about that more. But I would almost have to say, sure, expression of my gender is all over the place because our expressions of gender, they vary from time and culture and individuals. Um, Sure, more men like NASCAR and hunting and lifting weights and barbecue. And sure, more women like flowers and baking and working with children. But guess what? None of those things are inherently man or woman, male or female. None of those things are individual to one or the other sex so if you are a woman who likes nascar or a man who likes baking you can rest assured that you are still your sex you are still a woman even if you like nascar you are still a man even if you like to work with children there's not a spectrum of sex there's only male or female but your expression of your gender it's going to be unique it's going to be special and all of that's okay now we have a foundation Let's ask a why question. What are we talking about? Let's ask a why question. Why are some people trans? Why are some people trans? I'm going to give you two different answers. Um, the first answer is what I believe many of them would say. And the second answer is going to be um, what I think lines up with biblical wisdom on the topic. Now, trans people would say that they are not transgender by choice. They're not transgender or non-binary by choice. In fact, They would say they would much rather be cisgender, which is another vocabulary word that maybe we should have covered, but it means your sex and your gender align. It means, basically means you're not transgender or non-binary. Most people in this room would probably at this time in their lives identify as cisgender. My sex and my gender align. They would say, I would much rather be cisgendered because being transgender, being non-binary, There are struggles and pain, what we touched on a second ago, that go along with that that I do not enjoy and I would rather give away. But they would say that I am born with this internal struggle. I'm born with this gender incongruence where my sex and my gender don't line up. They would say there are genetics and there's brain chemistry at play. And they would say, my body might be one sex, but my gender is something else. They they might say, I have Uh, A male anatomy on the outside, but I really feel like a female on the inside or vice versa. They would also note, um, to flex some of our vocabulary, that this gender incongruence leads to serious gender dysphoria. Their misalignment of sex and gender causes them distress. So depression, suicidal thoughts, self-harm, other mental health issues are extremely prevalent in the trans community. We're going to come back to that later. Why are some people trans? Um, the solution they have come to, to deal with this gender incongruence is to identify as trans and to say, that is the thing I'm going through. That's the thing I'm dealing with. And to make their outward gender align with how they feel on the inside, align with the gender that they feel on the inside. Sometimes that just means like dressing like the opposite sex. Um, It could include makeup and long hair for a male that feels like a woman, or it could include binding or short hair for a female who feels that they're a man. Sometimes they'll take hormones to change their body development and chemistry and even go through surgery. And you know this, you've seen this. Um, They'll go through surgery to further align their body, their sex with the gender that they feel. Now I'd like to give you my opinion here. um, And this is an alternate answer, alternative answer to this question. I do believe my opinion is supported by biblical wisdom. um, And I've done some recent, some decent research on this topic. uh, But I do want to say that I don't know that many trans people on a very deep level. I don't talk to any trans person every day. Um, I have some trans people that are very close to me and very, that mean a lot to me. Uh, I've had some conversations with other people who've experienced this on a personal level, but I'm not an expert. And I want you to know that I'm not an expert, but this is what I think a lot of trans people are experiencing. I think we are all asking the same questions. Everybody in this room is asking these questions. Trans people are asking these questions. Every nerd, jock and goth and hippie in your school is asking these questions. Where do I fit in? Why don't I feel like I belong? Why am I different than everyone else around me? Who will accept me and make me feel like I belong? I think everybody's asking these questions and we all come up with different answers. Some people choose sports or music or academics. They lean into this thing. We find our thing and we make our thing the thing about us. We find our identity. We identify ourselves with our thing. We find our meaning, we find community, we find other people with that thing, we find acceptance, people welcoming in, into that community. It helps us to feel loved, valued, validated, it helps me to feel like I belong and fit in when I find my thing. I think many trans people are asking these same questions and they're saying, I may have been born a female, but I don't look like the women that I see uh, on Instagram ads. I don't understand my mom or my sisters. They don't understand me. I don't like pink. I don't like wearing dresses or other girly stuff. Uh, and all the girls in my school have rejected me. Or I may have been born a male, but I don't look like the guys I see on TV and I don't really want to. I don't understand my dad or my brothers. Uh, they don't understand me. I don't like sports or trucks or other manly stuff. And all the guys at my school have rejected me. And with that evidence, they come to a conclusion. I must be trans. I don't fit in with the people in my gender And the gender expression by the other men in my life does not match how I express my gender. So I must be something else. My, my gender must be different than my sex. And they begin to try that out. And then they identify with this thing and they find a community of people with open arms. They say, I must be not what I was born. And they make that their thing. And listen, when you're looking for belonging, validation, acceptance, you are, going to, uh, you are going to respond well to the first place that gives it to you. That's why we try to make Apex the friendliest place on earth, right? Because we want to help people find their validation and their welcome and belonging in Jesus. Because there's one right answer to, that question, to those questions. There's one right answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer, the place where you should find validation, belonging, hope, joy, your people, community, acceptance, validation, It should happen in Jesus. It should happen in church. We should be creating places where that can happen. Music, sports, hobbies, all incredible things. I like all of them, most of them. (laughs) But if you wrap your whole identity in anything but Jesus, you're gonna be left with pain. You're gonna be disappointed because the place, God has this plan for us. He has planned for us to find our identity in him as a son or a daughter of the creator of the universe. And if we do anything outside of that plan, there is pain because there's always pain outside God's plan. I just believe that the trans community is looking for something we all want. They're looking for something we all want. They want to belong and feel validated and included. And I would say they should turn to Jesus for that. They should turn to the church for that. And hopefully we can prepare ourselves for them to do that. But they've turned to a different community. This community has been deceived. That's what I believe. This community will suggest surgery to them and a name change. And this community will give them Uh, a version of what they can find in Jesus, what they're looking for, validation, acceptance. But again, if it's outside God's plan, if it's anything other than God that they're finding their identity in, it will end in pain. Okay, now we know what we're talking about. We know who we're talking about. Uh, I'd like like to take this time to apply some biblical wisdom. Um, So the next question that we're going to ask. It needs to include the Bible. It needs to ask, how would Jesus respond to this phenomenon of transgenderism and to the people who would identify as transgendered? So the question is, how should we process this stuff? How should we, as Jesus followers who have given our lives to him and his plan and his word, how do we understand all of this? Uh, First, in the creation narrative of Genesis, we see God clearly create two sexes. I'm using that word intentionally. Genesis 1:27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Jesus is recorded quoting this verse in two of the gospel accounts in Matthew and Mark, he quotes this verse. So if you're like, if you see a verse in the Old Testament and you'd like to dismiss it, I think you shouldn't. But if you'd like to dismiss something you only see in the New Testament, Jesus brought this up: male and female, he created them. Equally valuable equally endowed with the image of God. Last week, we talked about sex. So if this verse doesn't quite do it for you, um, last week, we talked about sex, but we did not talk much about reproduction. And I'm fine with that. Um, (laughs) I don't need to talk about reproduction. You know, like when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much, we don't need to go there. Um, But I will say you need a biological male and a biological female to reproduce. And God was saying something through that. God was communicating something by that being the truth. Um, I like to anticipate and address objections in conversations like this. And if I were having a conversation, somebody might say uh, another vocabulary word that we didn't talk about. They might say something about an intersex person. Uh, And that refers to people whose sex is unclear. Biologically speaking, their organs are not as cut and dry. Uh, It's, but it's a vague term that means like a lot of different things. And even though it means a lot of different things, it's like 1.7% of people at the most generous, but like, male and female. He created them almost every time. It's like one in 2000 people. They have to call it an expert to tell which gender or to which sex a baby is. Let me say that again. Cause I've said a lot of things. Um, if, if you hear intersex brought up as an objection to this male or female thing, it is one in 2000 people that an expert has to be brought in to determine the sex of a baby. So in general, and I would say this intersex people are fully people created in the image of God who have like many other conditions and things that people are born with an extra finger or whatever. They are just, it just happened. But in general, the delineation between male and female is clear. So yes, as a reminder, gender expression is unique, diverse, and special, but sex is not male and female are the options And what decides if you are male or female is not your favorite color. It's not your hobby. It's not your clothes. It's your biology. It's your anatomy. I'd like to not get more specific about that anatomy if that's okay with you. I think you know what we're talking about. Um, Another problem that biblical wisdom would have with the trans perspective is the premise that the internal wins, right? We're talking about gender incongruence. Um, And this idea is pretty academic. Let me lay down a little, Disclaimer: um, I'd never heard this argument before researching this topic for for our conversation tonight, um, but it's so interesting, and I understand the premise. But it's there's a lot to it. It's very deep. I'm going to generalize it so I don't say something incorrect and dumb. Um, but they would call this having a biblical theology of the body, a biblical theology of the body. Um, a trans person would say, "I see my biology and anatomy. I see my outward sex anatomy organs." but on the inside, my mind is something different. Um, My mind is saying that my anatomy is wrong. My body is saying one sex, but my mind is saying the other, and because they don't line up, my mind is right. I'm gonna change my my biology with hormones or surgery um, or, or even clothes or whatever to make my outward match my inward because my inward gender is what prevails. If we're looking for biblical wisdom on this issue, we need to have a biblical theology of the body. We need to view and value our physical bodies the way God would want us to. Uh, And if we want to know how God views the body, Jesus is a really great place to start because God gave himself a body. John 1, 14 says, so the word became human or flesh. The word became flesh. The word is Jesus. The word became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness or grace and truth and other translations. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. Jesus is God in the flesh. Our God gave himself a body so he could have the human experience. He was hungry. He went to the bathroom a few hours later. He sweat because he was a tradesman. He had a male anatomy. I don't need to be more specific than that. He, Jesus had a physical body. And then he suffered a human physical death and came back to life. Now this resurrection thing, we believe that Jesus really died. He really came back to life. And there will come a time that he comes back to the earth, a second, the second coming of Christ to redeem the world, a new heavens and a new earth. He's gonna fix it all. And we all have a bodily resurrection. I don't know how all the specifics of that play out, <laughs> but he does. And the idea that it is a bodily resurrection is fundamental to our understanding of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who died. Are you hearing that? Jesus died and his body came back to life. He had scars. It looked like him. It was Jesus. Jesus. And he is the first of a harvest of everybody. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. His body died and his body was resurrected and so will ours. Now, we're looking to the Bible for wisdom to apply to this conversation. This has told me, God giving himself a physical body has told me that my body is not negligible. My body is not unimportant. What my body says is important, but not only is the body not negligible, but the mind is not perfect. The mind can be flawed. Romans 12 says, let's let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think or renewing your mind in another translation. Our minds have been corrupted by sin. So to act like my mind is perfect and if my mind is telling me I'm one sex but my body is telling me I'm the other, believing the, body, believing the mind over the body without question is not a biblical perspective. To say I can ignore what my body says because my mind says I'm a different gender is not a biblical theology of the body. Here it is in an academic way. Cause I thought this was interesting. This is in the, uh, our church belongs to the assemblies of God, which is our denomination or fellowship. And, uh, they have a, what they call a position paper on all kinds of controversial stuff. And I read the one on transgenderism. I would encourage you to read it, but I, I understood some of it, <laughs> but some of the quotes I thought were really interesting. No account of humanity that asserts the interior life as the true self over against the body is a biblical understanding of humanity. Does that make sense? If my mind and my body are incongruent, the trans perspective is that my mind is correct. And for me to say my mind is more important than my body is not a biblical theology of the body. Let me say one more thing about how we should process this. And this one is not based on a Bible verse, uh, but it's based on reality, uh, a reality that cannot be ignored. And that is the mental health crisis within the trans community. Uh, I'm not going to include numbers, but if I did, they would scare you. Um, There's lots of different studies that have come to like lots of slightly different numbers, but the conclusions are consistent every time people. Well, first of all, people with non heterosexual uh, orientations. So gay people, the gay community consistently have a slightly higher mental health issues represented in their community, a slightly higher uh, mental health issues than people who identify as heterosexual. However, people who identify as transgender or transsexual have enormously higher reports of mental health. I told you I wasn't going to use numbers, but I will tell you, it was something like four for heterosexuals. One of the many studies I saw, something like four for heterosexuals, something like six or seven for um, non-heterosexuals, and then something like 30% for the transgender community. There is something horrible happening in the trans community. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, and attempts, all of their numbers, skyrocket in the transgender community. A disproportionate problem. Now, again, I like to, I like to anticipate objections. Um, the trans community would say this is because of the stigma that transgenderism has in our community, uh, in our society that because of the trauma that trans people experience, um, but by being kicked out by their parents or dropped by friends or just hated on, rejected by society as a whole, uh, this is what leads to mental health problems. I'm very aware of that argument. And, uh, and I will say, gender dysphoria has to be incredibly crippling, horrible. The distress cannot be ignored. I can't imagine that pain. But I would argue, many Jesus followers would argue Our church would argue, I think Jesus would argue that their disproportionate mental health struggles are because there's always pain outside God's plan. They've chosen a plan outside of God's and that pain is a predictable outcome. And the solution is not a hormone treatment or surgery. But I think the solution is not to force your body into what your mind thinks but it's to embrace the love and healing of Jesus. It's to find your validation and community and identity in Jesus, which will not make all your pain go away overnight, especially in the the realm of gender dysphoria. But following Jesus is always better. It's always better. Before we move on to the next question, um, let me remind you of what I think biblical wisdom would say is not wrong because I want to talk about cultural gender expression, cultural gender expression. Now, Uh, I'm not sure if people use the word cross-dressing anymore, uh, but old-timers in the church might tell you cross-dressing is a sin, and they wouldn't be wrong. Uh, They get that from this verse in the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy, God is setting up his people. These are my people. This is what distinguishes my people from the neighboring communities, uh, what people should do and should not do when they are my people. Deuteronomy 22.5 says, "Uh, A woman must not put on a man's clothing, and a man must not wear women's clothing. Anyone who does this is detestable in the sight of the Lord your God. And sure, that's clear enough for our purposes. Here's the issue someone might have. They might see the Vogue cover where Harry Styles wore a dress. Everybody saw that on Twitter, probably. Um, And they would say, oh, okay, that must be a sin based on this verse. Easy. Is it easy? Because they might remember Scotland, where men have been wearing dresses for thousands of years. (laughs) And then they might remember ancient Rome, where togas are basically dresses. Uh, And then they realize the ancient Near East, where Jesus lived. And when Jesus lived, we're wearing robes, which are basically dresses. Uh, And then they remember that pants are basically brand new and men have been wearing dresses from the very beginning. So what do we do there? Dudes have been wearing dresses from the beginning? Now what? So this is where clothing and stuff like this gets a little more complicated. There have been times in history where men have worn makeup and it was culturally acceptable. They wore high heels, it was culturally acceptable. There have been times, and there are cultures around today, where women have to cover their entire bodies in that culture to be, to be modest. Um, this is a, a complicated issue. There's so much going on in the world and through time that this command by God is not simply about wearing a dress. <laughs> We'd have a lot of more problems if this was just about wearing a dress. Again, gender expression, especially when you go throughout time and, and space, not outer space. I mean like the world <laughs> probably, I don't know. <laughs> gender expression is diverse and it's unique and it's special. Cultures all around the world in time have done all kinds of different things and they will challenge our cookie cutter gender expressions uh, that we have today. But that's not what this verse is talking about. Let me quote the position paper again. Cause I thought it said it in a very smart way. However, they said basically what I, what all I said right there, there's cultural stuff going on here. They said, however, the absence of any standards or boundaries and the refusal to recognize the collective bodily human existence as male and female, as the intentions of our creator leads to a confusion that negatively affects our culture as a whole, or there's always pain outside God's plan, right? Wearing a dress or having a nickname or whatever there, those things are whatever on their own, but doing these things, changing your name, changing your clothes, changing your hair, having surgery and hormones, all of that stuff in the name of a rejection of the duality of sex. If you do that in the name of rejection of male and female, you're outside of God's plan. And it brings pain and confusion to an individual. And if a society accepts it, it brings pain and confusion all around. So I think we should process this stuff. The final question I'd like to ask tonight we move from how should we process this stuff? Again, we're slow to speak. We're quick to listen and understand, lead with curiosity. So we've done that, right? How should we process this stuff? Now, how should we respond to this stuff? When we get to the point where we do do something, we've discussed that we need to process with biblical wisdom, but how do Jesus followers in the year 2022 respond to these things, to people that are dealing with gender dysphoria and to a culture that's dealing with this problem in a way that rejects God's plan. First of all, this is intentionally, first of all, true sympathy, sympathy. Um, This very academic paper that I read used those two words, true sympathy. And it seems obvious concerning the God that we serve, (laughs) that he's a God of love and we should respond to people dealing with anything with love And this is where I might uh, uh, challenge you a little bit. This includes responding. If we're responding in true sympathy, we are responding without jokes. If we actually care about people and the pain that they're experiencing, gender dysphoria, the distress that they're experiencing, making a joke about gender neutral bathrooms, making a joke about men competing in women's sports, or anything else that is transadjacent is inappropriate, it's unrighteous, and has no place in a Jesus-following community. I've seen people hurt by this. And Jesus didn't lead that way. <clears throat> it has no place in a church. <clears throat> Churches have not been traditionally a safe place for people. They've made fun of people, they've judged people, they've not welcomed, intentionally left people out on this issue. I wanna create a safe place for people who are going through anything. And a safe place does not reject truth. A safe place does not mean that we don't tell them what's true, what we believe about God's sexual ethic or God's duality of male and female. But it means a place of respect, it means a place where people have dignity. You've heard the biblical response to this issue, the biblical perspective to this issue. But the biblical perspective to those people is that Jesus died for them. He died so they could be reunited with him. So my challenge is to you. What do you think first when you see somebody dealing with this? When you think of the trans community, do you see them as children of God made in his image? Do you desire for them to make a decision to follow Jesus? Do some reflecting. I've had to to make sure I'm seeing people the way Jesus sees them. Do you see them as evil or do you see them as deceived? Do you see them as evil or do you see them as confused? Do you see them as evil or do you see them as lost? Jesus sees them lost. We have to respond the way Jesus responded to people. This is how he did that. Last week we talked about the sin of adultery, sex outside of the confines of marriage. And Jesus confronted an adulterous woman in the Bible in John eight. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, two things. He said, neither do I go and sin no more. He coupled two important things together. Perfectly. He said, no, I don't condemn you and go and sin no more. He perfectly embodied grace and truth. Grace and truth. I heard a quote about grace and truth. Uh, Apparently Jimmy Evans is who said it first. Truth without grace is like surgery without anesthesia. Imagine that. Truth without grace, when you just lead with truth, when you just give truth, it's like surgery without anesthesia. It's like being cut open and just dug around in. But grace without truth is like a bottle with no medicine in it. If you only give people grace and you only give people acceptance, you're not doing anything for them. Jesus has a medicine. Jesus has truth for people. We need to lead with both of those things. Grace and truth. Jesus did it perfectly. He knew that the best way to reveal his plan to the world was with grace and truth. He needed people to know his plan because there's always pain outside of his plan. So the last thing we need to keep in mind is that we need to ask God to help us through this. Ask God to help us. The current controversial issues of our time are confusing and overwhelming and difficult, and we need God's help to apply biblical wisdom to them. We need him to speak to us and guide us through it and give us the right words to say and opportunities to say the right words. We need his help. And I promise you this, in our current cultural climate, Some people will not like this perspective. They don't want to hear about God's plan for their lives. They want to figure it out on their own. And again, I want you to remember they're not evil. They're lost. They're deceived, but they will not necessarily be kind with their rejection of biblical ideas. And maybe their rejection of you because you hold to them. So we need to ask God for comfort. We need to ask God for healing when it goes bad. We need to ask God for bravery When the time comes, we need, when we don't go around looking for a fight, but when we speak truth to people who don't know the truth, there will be unavoidable conflict. Jesus told us. And in those times of conflict, we have to ask God for help. We have to cling to God for his help, for his wisdom, for his peace. We need to cling to his grace. And remember that we're sinners. We need to cling to his truth because his truth is what sets us free. And we need to cling to his plan because there's always pain outside of his plan. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word on this issue. And in a time that's confusing and overwhelming, there's a lot going on. And people are telling us that you're wrong. Thank you for your word. And as we look back on the ways that you've been faithful to us, we've looked back on the ways you've come through for us. We can trust every every part of your word. We can trust the whole thing. We can trust that you are who you say you are. You can trust. We can trust that you do what you say you can do. We can trust you in this area. And that a, a culture that would try to convince us otherwise. We can cling to your truth. And we can speak your truth in love. We can be an embodiment as best as we can. We are, that's what we're asking for. Your help to speak with grace grace. And truth, to lead with true sympathy, to have our heart break the way that yours breaks, and to speak with grace and truth, to bring people closer to you, period, to bring people closer to you. I'm gonna speak your truth in love, I'm gonna give grace and truth, but this is what it's about bringing people to you. Thank you that you use us to do it, and we ask for your help through it. We ask for your peace, your hope. We ask for your bravery, your strength, and your healing. We dedicate it to you, in your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.